And a good morning for everybody who is here in the temple room, who is listening in online, by radio, by telephone. We welcome you to the Srimad Bhagavatam Discourse here on Saturday morning. It's a bit unusual that I should be asked to give a presentation this morning. I'm Rupa Nuga Das, disciple of Srila Tamal Krishna Goswami Maharaj, who is a disciple of Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada. This morning we're going to continue our reading from the first canto, chapter 1 of the Srimad Bhagavatam, and we're going to be focusing on text number 5. Did everybody read that before coming to class this morning? Have you done your homework? <laughs> Is it possible to get the air conditioner turned on in here, or do you know? Dharma Prabhu? No. The controller is not here. The supreme controller of the AC is not here today. Uh, before we begin our talking about the Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, let's have an invocation to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Shishi Radha Kalachandi. Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabihari. Vishnupad Paramahamsa Paripidaka Charja Hasto Tarasata Sri Shimada's Divine Grace Abhoya Charanada Vindabhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj Shila Prabhupada Ki Jayom Vishnupad Paramahamsa Paripidaka Charja Hasto Tarasata Sri Shimada's Divine Grace Shila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Goswami Maharaj Shila Prabhupada Ki Anantakoti Vaishnavan Ki 
Iskan BBT founder Charge Shila Prabhupada ki. Iskan Guru Parampara ki. Shri Rupshi Sanatan Bhattaragunath Shri Jeeva Gopal Bhattadasaragunath Satko Sami Prabhu ki. Namacharya Shila Haridas Thakur ki. Premze Goho Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasari Gora Bhattarinda ki. Shri Shri Radha Krishna Gopa Gopinath Shamakun Radhakun Gidigiri Govardhana ki. Shri Bhandamadam ki. Shri Maturadam ki. Shri Mayapur Nabadweet Dhamma ki. Shri Jagannath Puri Dhamma ki. Shri Shri Radha Kalachanji Dhamma ki. Ganga Devi ki. Jamuna Mai ki. Tulsi Devi ki. Bhakti Devi ki. Sambhavira Bhakta Brinda ki. Brihat Badanga Transcendental Book and Prasadam Distribution ki. Nitai Gaura Premananda. Hari Hari Bo. All glories to the assembled devotees. Hare Krishna. All glories to the assembled devotees. Hare Krishna. All glories to the assembled devotees. Hare Krishna. All glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Gauranga. Namom Vishnabadaya Krishna Bastaya Bhutale Shimati Bhakti Vedanta Swaminiti Namane. Namaste Sarasvati Deve Gurubhari Pachanine Nivashesha Shinibari Pashtata Deshatarine Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chai Manarotamam Devim Saraswatim Yasan Tato Jayam Udirayat Nasta Praeshvabhadreshu Nityam Bhagavat Sevaya Bhagavat Yutamashloke Bhakti Bhavadi Nastiki Grantara Shimur Bhagavatam Ki Jai Shil Prabhupada Ki Jai All right, we've already said we're reading today, continuing in our reading in, in Canto 1, Chapter 1 of the Srimad Bhagavatam, and this is text number 5. Yesterday's class was given by Vishambhar Prabhu, the day before by His uh, His Holiness Bhakti, what, I've forgotten his name, Dharma, what's his name? Bhakti Sundar, Bhakti Sundar Maharaj. And both both are delightful people to listen to. And today you have me. <laughs> you know what anticlimactic means? <laughs> Anyhow, it's my pleasure to be here and to be asked to give a, a, a presentation, hopefully short presentation, on the Srimad Bhagavatam. So text number five is written on the board. If you will repeat with me, well, let's let's do a complete line and a complete line like that. Ta ta ekada tu munaya Pratar huta hutang naya Satkritam suttamasinam Paprachur idam adarat Ta ekada tu munaya 
Pratar Huta Hutang Naya Satkritam Suttamasinam Paprichur Idam Adarat Ta Ekadata Tumunaya Pratar Huta Hutangnaya Satritam Suttamasinam Paprachuri Damadharat Can please?
any disembodied living entities want to come? Word for word. Te, the sages. Ekada, one day. Two, but. Munaya, sages. Prata, morning. Huta, burning. Huta Agnaya, the sacrificial fire. Satkritam, due respects. Sutam, Sri Sutta Goswami. Asinam, seated on. Paprachu, made inquiries. Idam, on this as follows. Ararat, with due regards. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace. A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj. Srila Prabhupada Ki. I'm so accustomed to saying to the disciples of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta. But now we have finished all the way through the 12th canto and we're coming back to text number 1, canto 1, chapter 1. A good place to begin is the beginning with one step. It's a translation of this text by His Divine Grace. One day after finishing their morning duties by burning a sacrificial fire and offering a seat of esteem, esteem, to Srila Sutta Goswami, the great sages made inquiries with great respect about the following matters. Repeat with me, please. One day after finishing their morning duties by burning a sacrificial fire and offering a seat of esteem to Srila Sutta Goswami, the great sages made inquiries with great respect about the following matters. And you might guess from this translation that this, uh, that this verse, the purport that is given here in the verse, is going to be something about offering proper respect to those persons who are really qualified to give knowledge to you and making sincere inquiries. So let's go to the purport. Morning is the best time to hold spiritual services. The great sages offered the speaker of the Bhagavatam an elevated seat of respect called the Vyasasan, or the seat of Srila Vyasadev. Srila Vyasadev is the original spiritual preceptor for all men, and all other preceptors are considered to be his representatives. A representative is one who can exactly present the viewpoint of Sri Vyasadev. Srila Vyasadeva, and the, and the word that is being used here is Sri Vyasadeva. We sometimes say Srila Vyasadeva. But in this case, Srila Prabhupada has used the honorific Sri. So Sri Vyasadeva impregnated the message of the Bhagavatam unto Srila Shukadeva Goswami. And how was he related to Srila Vyasadeva? His son. Um, Vyasaki is another name for Srila uh, Sukadeva Goswami, Vyasaki, the son of Srila Vyasadeva. Sri Vyasadeva impregnated the message unto Sukadeva Goswami, and Sri Sutta Goswami heard it from him, uh, from him, Sri Sukadeva Goswami. So we're we're getting this is the this is the third time then it, it has been spoken. First 
to, from Srila Vyasadeva to his son, Shukadeva Goswami. And now Srila Shukadeva Goswami has spoken it to King Parikshit, and at the same time he was speaking to King Parikshit, Sutta Goswami was hearing. And now Sutta Goswami is the person who has been asked to impart knowledge to the sages at Namisharanya Forest. And Namisharanya, that's, that's a familiar name. Some, someone around here. Yeah, beautiful name, beautiful name. And you're the only person, Namisharanya Prabhu, that I've heard with that name. There are probably others somewhere scattered throughout the world, but you're the only one that I've had any encounter. So it's a good name for a good man. All bona fide representatives of Sri Vyasadeva in the chain of discipline succession are understood to be Goswamis. Are you Goswami? Do we have some Goswamis here in the room? These Goswamis restrain all their senses. I think that's the meaning of Goswami, isn't it? One who controls the senses, the Swami of the senses, Go. And they stick to the path made by the previous Acharyas. Those Swamis do not deliver lectures on the Bhagavatam capriciously. Rather, they execute their services most carefully, following their predecessors who delivered the spiritual message unbroken to them. Those who listen to the Bhagavatam may put questions to the speaker in order to elicit, elicit the clear meaning. But this should not be done in a challenging spirit. I want you to keep keep that in mind after the class has ended. We have questions and answers. That uh, one must submit questions with great regard for the we we say for the maladies of the speaker and the and this and the subject matter. It should not be done in a challenging spirit. This is also the way recommended in the Bhagavad Gita. One must learn the transcendental subject by submissive oral oral reception from the right sources. Therefore, these sages address the speaker, Sutta Goswami, with great respect. Om Jnana Timirandasya Gyananjana Salakaya Chakshurun Militam Jena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manovishtam Stavitam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rupahakada Maya Tirati Swavarantikam. Everybody chant with me. Vande Ham Shri Guru Shri Dutta Padakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raganatan Vitam Tam Sajivam Savadvaitam Savaduttam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam, Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakan Bitamscha. He Krishna Karunasundo Dinabando Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namos today. Taptakan Chana Gorangi Radhe Vrindavadeshwari Vrishapanu Sute Devi Pranamami Ari Priye. Vanchakalpatarubhischa kripasindavyevacha patitanam bhavnebhyo vaishnavebhyo namo namah. Jayasi Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Karadhara Sivasadi Gora Bhakta Vrinda. Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare. Shimut Bhagavatam ki jai, Shilpavad ki jai, Shishivadha Kalachandidam ki jai.
Translation once more. One day after finishing their morning duties by burning a sacrificial fire and offering a seat of esteem to Srila Sutta Goswami, the great sages made inquiries with great respect about the following matters. So the topic that I have chosen for today's discussion is um, asking the question, why am I not getting results? And I find myself asking that now at the end of the fourth decade of being here in Dallas, Texas. You ever ask that, Dharma? Ask why Rupanuga is not getting results. I see you back. So uh, we're talking about how the sages prepared themselves to meditate, to begin the meditation. And uh, one of their first considerations was choosing the right time of day. And that's been one of the problems that I have until the past two or three years ago. I've dealt with it in, in not such a successful fashion because I would quite often chant some of my rounds in the morning and then whatever I didn't get done, I would just either, if I had nothing else going on in particular, I'd just try to chant throughout the day and it would take me all day to finish my rounds. Or I would wait until uh, sometime in the evening when the mind was a little bit quietened down and freed, freed from all of the cares and of the turmoil of the day. And I remember a little book that uh, Srila Satcharup Das Goswami Raj uh, published many, many years ago, and it was called uh, what? It was about, uh, about chanting Japa. Japa Reform Notebook. That's right. That's exactly right. You're correct. Have you read that before? Has anybody read either bits and pieces or read the whole book? Maybe maybe you've seen it. Anyhow, some of the some of the better suggestions, and I I don't remember of them all, but I do remember one or two. And one was that Srila uh, Satrup uh, Maharaj said that if he was unable to finish his rounds in the morning for some reason, because of, of the people coming to him and you know various things, because he had a management position here in the Dallas community uh, before we came in 1979. Before that time, he was here, and then he left with a group of his followers and went to Gitanagari. You remember that? Some of you were not born at that time. You Were, were you born in 79 or before 79? Okay, so uh, choosing the proper time of day for chanting. Now, uh, I, had, I had an impetus uh, about two years ago. Uh, for uh, for getting all of my rounds done early in the morning. And that was that I was asked to, uh, uh, as an emergency thing, I was asked to come and fill in a post that had been vacated in our Gurukula. Uh, a nice nice young lady who was here decided with her husband that they would go back to be with their relatives in California. Remember them? Bhishma Prabhu and this one. And so what was what was the mother's name? Janet... Um, Shamali, Mother Shamali. Yeah, both, both wonderful people. <laughs> and, and, you know, I felt very envious that California was getting them. But anyhow, at the time, it left a position open in our Gurukula, and the Gurukula had just been going for about two months, September, October, and it, now it was the 1st of November. And so I was asked to do an emergency service, and one of the instructions that uh, Srila Tamal Krishna gave from his, from the, like, from the uh, Vyasasana, 
uh, many years ago was that um, emergency service has to be taken up, has to be taken up. That was his that was his decree. And so uh, I was I was not suited necessarily for this post of teaching uh, young middle school students and even some in the upper elementary grades. I was not I was not accustomed to that. Most of my uh, most of the last years of my professional life uh, were to be teaching in local community colleges. The first couple of uh, English courses that uh, students have to take when they come to a community college. But anyhow, it was it was something that I had to do, and so uh, because I knew that I had to have time to prepare for classes before I went to them to the school. Otherwise, I'd be there and wondering, well, now what am I supposed to say? So and, uh, in order to have the time, I had to finish my rounds early in the morning. So that means getting up sometimes at quarter of three and chanting my rounds and getting them done that time. So at that time, that was the first time in my life that I've ever made it a really concerted attempt to chant all of my rounds every day and get them done before the sun came up. And I've tried to follow that ever since then. That's been going on for about two or three years now. Now, I don't know how persons who are working at full-time jobs could pull something like that off. It's very difficult to do, especially if, if you're, uh, when, when you get on up into the years a little bit, you know, I'm over 30 now, so it's, uh, it's a little more difficult than it used to be to do anything, like get up and walk, for example. Uh, but nonetheless, it, we, we have to do, we have certain activities we have to perform. So we're talking about how to get results from our spiritual lives. That's, that's the whole purpose, I think, of this, of this text today, is to give us who are coming 5,000 years later after this has been written down to give us some ideas as to how we can, we can improve our spiritual lives. And, of course, Srila Prabhupada's words coming, what, 50 years ago, 40, 50 years ago, um, uh, that, that also gives us some indication of what we're supposed to do. So choosing the right time of day. Now, if for some reason you cannot get your runs done in the morning, then uh, the, the su- suggestion I've tried to follow with uh, Sheila, uh, um, um, let's see, uh, what was his name? I just had it on my mind a moment ago. Such a root march. Thank you very much, Dr. Um, one of that, that which I'm trying to try to recall is to, don't try to chant during the day because there are too many distractions. They, you know, when the sun comes up, that's when the mode of, good, mode of uh, uh, passion begins, right? And only toward the end of the day, when the mode of good, when the mode of ignorance begins to kick in, then is the mind sometimes quietened down enough that you can chant effectively. And chanting effectively means to give uh, attention to each one of the syllables of the Maha Mantra that we chant: Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Another another piece of advice that I got from my spiritual master was by means of, and this is just not too long ago, just recently, I was listening to one of his lectures that he gave, I think in Australia, and this was probably in the late 1990s, and the, and that was he he told them that you can you can train yourself to chant faster. He said just as you can train yourself to read fast. And he, and he had, when he began his college work here, he had a lot of reading to do. And he even knew how many pages he had to read per day. 
he asked me one time, because I was also doing some graduate work at that time, and he, <coughs> he asked me how many pages I had to read a day. I said, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't counted them. I just took the assignment, and I, and I just started reading. But he knew how many pages a day he had to complete. And so he had to learn to read fast. And that's not, that's, and my, and my, I usually, I'm a very, very slow reader, but I find that when I read slowly and when I chant slowly, my mind tends to go off in many different directions. So, uh, I just, I'm not saying that my method of, of chanting Japa in the morning is necessarily the best of all, but, uh, I'll just tell you what I do, and that is I sit in a quiet place. If I'm here in the temple room, I sit right over here behind where the Vyasa sun usually sits. And I see the clock right up there. And I watch that clock, and I know that if I'm chanting the speed that I'm supposed to, I can get one round done in five minutes. Okay? So 16 times five, that's 80 minutes. Sure took me an hour and 20 minutes to chant 16 rounds. And in the past, I would have said, impossible. Not possible. As a matter of fact, whenever I spoke one time with uh, Keshava Bharati Maharaj about chanting, he said, I can usually chant about five and a half round, uh, five and a half minute rounds. And I, I was thinking to myself, not possible. I can't do it. Seven minutes m- minimum is the, is the best I can do. But with practice and with looking at the clock and keeping myself aware that if, that if I'm not being attentive, I'm going to, I'm going to start taking six minutes, seven minutes. Even the first round that I do every day takes me about eight minutes to get done. Isn't that amazing? Next round takes about six minutes. And then from then on, it's, it, it comes down to about five minutes, sometimes a little bit less than five minutes per round. So this is just a practical suggestion for, for those of you that might be having difficulties. And, and if I'm, if I'm doing anything else at the time, Besides sitting down, looking at the clock, my mind will wander all over the place. So even though I may have to, my last four rounds of the day, they're usually pretty labored because I'm getting tired at that time after chanting 12 rounds and I start chanting that 13th round, I start getting a little tired, a little sleepy. And it's hard of me to stay awake and focus on my rounds. So then I have to get up and walk around either in the temple room or if if I'm at my home, I have to walk around my home. So this is one of, to me, it's one of the more important aspects of our lives because we understand that all of the other activities Prabhupada engaged his disciples in was for the one purpose of chanting attentive rounds. There are ten rounds to be avoided while chanting the holy names of the Lord. It is also an offense to be inattentive while chanting. This is the eleventh round, even though it's not said there are eleven, I mean eleventh offense. There, it's, it's not said that there are eleven offenses. It's said that there are ten offenses to be avoided. But then at the end, we then we say, it is also an offense to be inattentive while chanting. And so we've heard from our authoritative sources, please don't ask me to say which one because I can't remember, that uh, if, if we are not, that inattentive, inattentive chanting is the cause of all other offenses to the Holy Day. Have you heard that before? Like blaspheming devotees who dedicated their lives for propagating the holy name of the Lord. All of that comes from inattentive chanting. So it's an important thing. So we have to choose the right time of day. We have to dedicate a place for our chanting. And it's better if there's nothing else that's going on in that place. I don't know if you've had this experience before, but if you go into a place where your television is, for example, 
and you sometimes sit there and watch television, or if, you, if that's a place where you bring guests into your house, there's something about the atmosphere of that place that makes it difficult for me to chant. So better for me if I go to one place, and here in the temple room is, is the best place, sitting right over here on this, on this cushioned seat back here, and watching the clock. That's one of the best ways that I can maintain my attention on chanting my rounds in the morning. So a place is really, really important. Um, there's an aspect also of chanting that we, that we have to prepare for, and that is to give up practices that interfere with our chanting. And I'm thinking right now about when we watch something on television or we hear something on the radio, or we see something else in our in our daily activities, sometimes they sink into the brain, and then at the most inappropriate time, they surface. And sometimes that inappropriate time is when I'm saying, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, let's see, what have I got to, when I've got to take my car in to get that, get the engine checked? When is that? You know, and so these things, these are practices of a type, or so let's just say that you've had a, you've had some kind of a skirmish with a with another devotee during the daytime, and and guess what's on your mind in the early morning hours when you're not supposed to have anything else on your mind except chanting the holy names. Oh, that person, that person. How am I going to deal with this? You know, what am I going to do? And when I was teaching in in college full time, then. Uh, I, I, I remember a few times when I'd wake up in the morning at 2.30, maybe in the morning, and this was before I started waking up early and chanting all my rounds because at that time I was too busy during the day from like whatever time I got up in the morning until 8 o'clock at night, and it was just a very full day. But I, I remember a time when I was having some trouble with some of the classes that I was teaching. I had some very immature students. And I had to decide what to do. You know, I said, this is waking me up, this is keeping me awake at 2.30 in the morning, and I can't let this continue. So there are things, practices that we have during the daytime that will seep into our conscious minds uh, when we're trying to chant in the morning. Even in the early morning hours, it's hard to do. Uh, the last concern that I have about preparing for meditation is uh, considering your diet, what you eat and when you eat it. Because if, if you get a, if you get a sudden charge of energy, you know, before you start chanting, uh, it's, it's possible that that can put your body and your mind in the mode of passion and can get you going. Or if it's something, if you eat a pretty big meal before you, and we're talking about early morning, so it's not likely you're going to eat before you begin chanting, right? And that's another benefit for chanting early in the morning. You don't have so much foodstuffs in your belly. And, and that can either, that can either speed up your thinking about the day's activities or it can slow you down, and make you feel really tired and sluggish. Like if you eat a big meal in the evening and, and then you try to get up early in the morning, very, very hard to do. So these are very practical suggestions that, that I've come up with for how we should prepare ourselves. Uh, for meditation. Now, another concern in the, in the purport today was that of, of, of finding a proper authority and accepting that authority. 
And who is it that this group of people has, have chosen as their authority for listening to the Srimad Bhagavatam? Sutta Goswami. Sutta means son. So another name, what, what's a more full name for Sutta Goswami? Well, who was his father? Ramaharshan. Ramaharshan Swami, Argo Swami. And uh, what was his, what, was, what happened to him? With his kusha grass weapon. Touched him with a piece of kusha grass. And why did he do that? He was in a seat of authority. He was sitting on the Vyasasana, the seat of, of Vyasadeva. And a, a respectable personality came into the, into the, uh, in, into the group, the organization, the, what do we call it? The, the group of people that were organized there, uh, in, in uh, the forest of Namisharanyam. And that person was who? Lord Balaram. And so Sutta Goswami did not, no, I'm sorry, Ramaharshan Sutta, Ramaharshan, not Sutta, but Ramaharshan Swami, did not get up to offer his respects to this superior personality. And so uh, the instruction here for us, the instructive lesson that we learn from, from this, is that we have to accept a proper authority. Now, all of these sages who were assembled, they were a little perturbed at, at Lord Sri Balaram for having taken away their speaker because they had already promised him a long life that he could continue speaking. They promised him that. And so the promise of a sage or the promise of a Brahmin is not supposed to be broken. And so what did they request of uh, Lord Balaram? You have to make some other arrangement. We we already told Ramaharshan that he, he, was, he was going to be speaking to us on the Bhagavatam. Now what are we supposed to do? We have no speaker. And what did Sri Balaram tell them? When the father is not present, who takes the position of the father? Sutta, the son. So this is Ramahar- Ramaharshan Sutta, who then is asked to take the seat of his father. This is pretty amazing, isn't it? His father's just been killed by Lord Balaram. And now he's asked to be the speaker. He's asked to sit on the Vyasasana in place of his father. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? But this is the arrangement Sri Balaram made. And apparently, you know, Sutta Goswami was in control of his senses enough that he he didn't spend the next seven days grieving over the death of his father. Rather, he acceded to the request of the people, the sages of Namisharanya. And so he took that position. So we also have to accept the proper authority. And finding one to respect as an instructing guru can sometimes be a little bit daunting, but it shouldn't be because uh, here in a community such as we have, there uh, there are quite a large number of persons who can act as our instructing gurus. And I'm not talking about persons who are old people with no hair on the top of their heads and white beards. I'm talking about persons who have gained status by their by virtue of their spiritual advancement. And we have quite a large number of persons in this community who are in that position. And it doesn't necessarily, wise does not necessarily mean old. Shukadev Goswami could hardly be said not to be a wise person. And yet look at how old he was. And we consider that he must be in his late teens at the time that he spoke the Srimad Bhagavatam to King Parikshit Maharaj. 
So it isn't necessary that you have an old person. It wasn't necessary to have Roma Harshan uh, be the speaker um, for the sages at Namisharanyam. His son was qualified to do that. And uh, someone asked that question. Uh, um, let's see. Um, who is it? Vaisheshika Prabhu asked that question one day in a class that he gave here not too long ago. And he says, what was the qualification of Sutta Swami that caused him to be selected by all the sages to be the speaker in, in place of his father? In other words, first of all, Sri Balaram uh, suggested that this is the, this this man is the representative of his father. So I've killed Romaharshan, but his son lives on. So you should listen to him. But there was a reason that the sages accepted him, and that was because he had heard very submissively from his authorities, and he was very very knowledgeable. So he was a suitable candidate for filling that place. Uh, we have to become willing to adhere to the advice we're given by a respectable authority. Once we accept a proper authority as as our instructing guru. Now, the reason I'm saying instructing guru is is that uh, for most of us, for most of us who are fairly new to Krishna consciousness, when I'm what I'm saying when I say new, I mean you've been with Krishna consciousness less than thirty years. Is that new? Does that qualify as new? Dharma approval. If you've been if you've been with Krishna consciousness for less than thirty years, are you are you still a newbie? <laughs> there was a time here in the temple room when I felt very honored to be with persons who had been initiated, who had been twice initiated for probably six months. And to me, I, I thought, wow, I'm I'm really a lucky fellow. I'm here with these guys that are really spiritually advanced. But um, we have to be we have to find a person that we can offer our respect to as our instructing guru. And there are lots of those in our movement today. And not only in the male group of people, but females as well. Uh, their uh, gender, as a matter of fact, has, has very little to do with uh, the uh, advancement that a person can make in Krishna consciousness. Although we will admit that uh, a lot of times our women in our community are a lot busier than we men are. And uh, they're busier at times, uh, like like in the morning for the morning program. There are a lot of times they're taking care of, of children, or they're getting ready. Their husbands ready to go to work. In other words, there's a lot of activities then that keep women from sometimes being in a position of being accepted as instructing guru. But I know I know some women here in our community that are fully qualified to give advice, to give spiritual instruction, get spiritual advice. Uh, and uh, we have we have at least a few in the temple complex right now, right here in the temple room. There might be one, but Mother Nadini leaves now. <laughs> no, but uh, here's a, here's a person, and Mother Nandini is is one of those persons that is uh, is, is certainly qualified to give uh, advice and instruction uh, to persons who have been here for less than thirty years. I'd say. Maybe even more than 30 years. As a matter of fact, you know, we find ourselves, those of us who have been around for quite some time and have gotten some age, we find ourselves uh, seeking instruction from our peers. And our peers can be just as effective as as anybody who is much older or much more advanced in spiritual life. Sometimes our peers can point out to us changes that we need to make in our own devotional lives in order to make some progress. 
So that's a good thing. So we need to find someone who is willing to give us advice, and then we have to be willing to adhere to that advice. And then we have to ask pertinent questions and receive answers respectfully. So we see that this seems to be one of those qualities of those sages who were gathered there at Nami Sharanya Forest, that they were, they were uh, willing to ask very pertinent questions, which they would do so through their spokesperson. Who was their spokesperson? Does anybody remember? That was Sutta Goswami was their guest speaker, but who was the spokesperson? Shonaka, Shonaka Rishi, or Shonaka, yeah. And and so uh, asking pertinence and then receiving those questions respectfully, and then then after we have received, after we have found ourselves a person that we can go to and ask for a spiritual advice, or sometimes in some cases even material questions. We can go to other persons and ask questions like that. But after we do so, then we have to resist the urge to go and ask for many different opinions from other people. And we know of personalities, especially some of the younger persons, uh, maybe they don't hear the answer that they were looking for. And it's okay to go and ask other people. But if you accepted somebody as your, as your uh, instructing spirit, your shiksha guru, then un- unless there's there's something really really that that causes you some difficulty about the instructions you get from that person then it's it's almost like an insult then to go and ask two or three other persons well, what do you think about this what do you think about this and and you know of people who have done that maybe maybe you've done that yourself on an occasion but if you really want to show respect to a person then you take their instruction you consider how you can apply it in your life. And that becomes very helpful. So then after we, uh, after we have found someone and we have learned some things about Krishna consciousness, then we have to look for ways to engage ourselves in serving other people. One of those difficulties is finding uh, respectable uh, recipients those persons who are willing to receive uh, the information that you have to give. If, if, you, if, if you're trying to help someone along the spiritual path and they're continually asking more and more questions, like I remember one time in the, in this, uh, in the temple room here, we had one young man um, who was asking a spiritual master, and I think Keshe Babarati was the Maharaj, was, I think he was the speaker at that time. And every answer that he would give to this young man's questions, the young man would say, yes, but, and then he'd proceed on with another question that wasn't necessarily related to the question that he had just asked and to the answer that he's given. And so this, this, is, this is not showing a great deal of respect. It's more like a challenging mood that the person had. So if we really want to become successful in our spiritual lives, if we want to get to the point of being able to give spiritual advice to other people, then we ourselves have to take advice from our authorities as well. And if we don't have any authorities, if there's nobody that we feel that we can go to, then I'd say we probably have a problem. My spiritual master, Tamal Krishna Goswami, once said that uh, in the absence of the spiritual master... The temple president is one spiritual authority. 
So if you have a president who is is a really good, uh, really good, uh, well fixed up devotee, such as we have in this community, then you can go to that person and ask for ask for advice if you need advice, or you can you can say, "What should I be doing now? What can I do to improve my spiritual life?" And that person can give us that advice. Otherwise, if the temple president is not the one that we choose to go to, if we, in other words, if, if we don't feel as comfortable going to the temple president, and it may be he or she, correct? Because there are some temples that have ladies who are heading up the temple. So if we don't feel really comfortable going to that person, we need to find at least one other person within, within our purview, within our reach, uh, that we can go to and and talk with about problems that we're having, if we're having some problems, or maybe some maybe our family members are having some problems. Maybe my wife is having some trouble, and I, I I need to I need to find out how I can help her to overcome something that she's going through. And my wife has has been in that position before, so eventually she went to someone who is who is a a, a trained qualified professional. Not a full-time devotee, but someone who's very favorable to our community, um, and uh, and so she was able to get help from her. But we have we have to make that kind of decision too. How are we going to treat with respect the person who we are accepting as our initiate? I mean, as our our um, instructing spiritual master. <clears throat> Uh, one of the problems that we sometimes have to overcome is um, um, wh- whenever we're trying to help other people, we have to learn how to avoid persons who might become overly dependent on us. And that is, that's, that's a real possibility that someone that we, that wants our advice, comes to us for advice, might want to continue coming and and taking up what we might say is an inordinate amount of our time. And so we cannot compromise our own spiritual life by trying to help somebody else. As a matter of fact, it says there's been a statement that something like uh, <clears throat> the captain has to save himself before he saves anybody else. And that seems like a rather selfish thing, doesn't it? Why should the captain be more concerned about himself? Well, the fact is that he's not more concerned about himself than he is the people who are his crew on board his ship. But if that ship is in peril, then the captain has to remain alive so that he can guide the others in, in uh, doing whatever's necessary to save the boat, doesn't he? And so, so this is something that we have to learn. And so, practically speaking, then, we have to uh, not permit anyone to compromise our primary duties. You understand? We can be as compassionate as we want to be, but if someone is requiring so much of our time, so much of our energy, then we've got to find a solution to that because we can't allow someone else to compromise our own spiritual life, our own spiritual and our material activities. We, in other words, we, sometimes we have to learn to say no and walk away. And that's not an easy thing to do, especially if you've got somebody that's depending on you. Uh, but there is such a thing as overly depending, over, over dependence 
of one person or another. So we have to watch, we have to watch, watch out for ourselves and have to learn how to protect our own bhakti-lata bija, our own spiritual creeper. Because if that gets damaged, and if our, there, and in doing so, our spiritual life gets compromised, who the heck are we going to help? How can we help anybody if our own spiritual or material lives are, are being compromised by somebody else? Now, that doesn't mean that we give up on our families. No, we have, that's one of those responsibilities that we have, that we have to look out for. We have to look out for those persons who are, are in our direct charge. And uh, I, I don't think a person who walks away and, and, and leaves the family, well, you know, that, that, that doesn't set very well with the society that we're in. You know, they see that we say, well, how can I respect that person if that person doesn't do this? But the fact is that if, if someone else is compromising your spiritual life, your daily activities to the point that your sadhana becomes affected, then you, you have to take action. You have to do something about that. Now, that doesn't mean that you abandon the person you've been helping in their devotional life. You don't necessarily abandon them. But you go, where do, where do you go? If you can't come up with an answer yourself, then where do you go? You have to go to your own spiritual authority, don't you? So Srila Giriraj Maharaj has told me once here in the temple room, or somewhere else, he's told me, Rupanuga, remember, you can't give shelter unless you have taken shelter. So if you get to the point that in your attempt to help other people, you're overwhelmed and you feel that you're slipping because you can't even get your rounds done in the morning because of having to take care of somebody else, then you've got, you got to say, learn to say no. Not at this time. And I've heard that advice given to our temple president here in this temple room many years ago. That uh, I think Srila uh, Gurudev, Tamal Krishna Goswami, told the temple president at that time, and I think it was Gopal Acharya, he told him, uh, when you're chanting Japa in the mornings, when you're chanting your rounds, you need, you need to uh, let other people know that you don't talk with me right now. You talk with me later. We'll set an appointment. You want to come see me later on? How about 9.30? What are you doing at 9.30? So sometimes you may have to tell other people that, that you cannot, you, I, I, cannot uh, I cannot talk with you now. I'm, I'm chanting Japa. Or maybe you've got a real strict regimen of reading uh, in Srimad Bhagavatam or reading one of our other books, <clears throat> and somebody, somebody wants your attention. Well, if it's an emergency, you have to attend to it, right? Emergencies have to be taken up according to Tamal Krishna Goswami. But emergencies won't last forever. And so even though you have to, you may have to put off your chanting right now because there's a fire in one of the houses around here or there's somebody's gotten hurt or somebody's threatening devotees or something, you, you may have to stop at that point, stop your chanting and go take care of that business right now. But then eventually you come back to it. And, and uh, the main thing is that well, that's one of the nice things about chanting in the early morning hours or doing anything in the early morning hours. I mean, even if you're not a devotee, if you want to accomplish something in this material world, whether it has to do with something creative or, or something that something that uh, requires a you know a real intense um, uh, a part of your energy, uh, then then you have to a good time to do that is in the early morning hours before. Anybody else gets up. I heard it said one time that when somebody drives a car down the street, that's going to break your attention on your chanting, if you can hear them going down the street in their automobile. 
So better, better is to, better is to, uh, what is the time, uh, the time of wakefulness, uh, uh, for the saintly person is the time of sleeping for most of the rest of the population. And the time of sleeping for the saintly person is the time of wakefulness. And so a, a person who is really dedicated, really intent on having a strong spiritual life is going to get to bed reasonably early. And for some of us, reasonably early may be 10 o'clock. But still, if you get to bed at 10 o'clock and, and you need uh, five hours, at least five hours of sleep before you can get up and chant, that still means you can get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Or if you get to bed at, three, at 10 o'clock, you can get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and, and attend the morning program. Get your runs done during Joppa time. Anyhow, you have to pay really, really close attention uh, to uh, the, the, um, what's going on in your, in your life. And you have to set aside a particular time for getting your job done when there's nothing else that's going to interfere with it. Because if, if, if to chant attentive rounds is the most important thing, and, and uh, then you have to do whatever's necessary to be able to chant attentive rounds, right? That makes sense. And so as Srila Prabhupada said to us then, uh, to get up early in the morning, or if our spiritual master, our own spiritual master said, Get up early in the morning, chant your rounds. Then, by gosh, you better find a way to do it. Now, if you're working at a full-time job, you have to be on the job at eight o'clock in the morning. Means you got to start getting ready to go by seven o'clock. Then you got to back everything up and set your time schedule, and then just don't let anything interfere with it. And if it does interfere with it, then it just make sure that it happens only occasionally. That it's a real emergency that's going to cause your morning program to be interfered with. And that way, then we we can we can uh, avoid that eleventh offense of of uh, not giving full attention to the chanting of the holy names. I've heard just recently someone said that all of the activities that Prabhupada has engaged his disciples in and his grand disciples is meant for one purpose, and that is to help us to chant the holy names of the Lord with attention. Isn't that amazing? The most important thing that we can do is to say. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, and on like that. <clears throat> and if we can't, if we can't set aside enough time during the day for that, it means we're too busy. Someone asked tomorrow, Krishna Goswami Maharaj in the temple room one time. He says, uh, Maharaj, what what does it mean uh, over endeavor? In other words, how how is it we over endeavor? And he thought for a moment. He said, anything that interferes with your sadhana is over endeavor. Now, he's also the one that said that an emergency has to be taken up. All right, so, yeah, so be, so be it. But every day is not going to be an emergency. It's not going to be necessary for you to have to stop your job and go deal with something uh, at, at 5 o'clock, 5.15 in the morning. Not likely. If it is, then uh, then you have, to, you have to make your own adjustments because you, you, know, you know your schedule. You know what you have to do. But uh, that, this is something that you can get help from, from your instructing spiritual master, your shiksha guru, can give you some practical advice about how you can get your time schedule set up and you can get your place where you chat. You can get that set up and how you can deal with other kinds of problems that come to you during the time when you're trying to chant your rounds. Hare Krishna. That's all, folks. Or as Bugs Money used to say, but that's all, folks.
Yes, Navishurin Prabhu. Uh, you need the. I don't want anybody speaking unless you've got a microphone in your hand. What's here? I know because I also listen to classes when I'm not in the temple room. I, I'm listening every day. Oh, this is something else you can do too. Finish your rounds before classes begin at 7.30 in the morning, 7.45. Finish your rounds. Sit down and listen to class if you've got the time for it. If your work schedule doesn't permit, then at some point in time, like in the evening, maybe you can listen to the the, the daytime class that was given that day after 10 o'clock. Uh, Prima Sender Prabhu has been kind enough to arrange that in our archives. And you can get to the archives on the current website. I finally figured it out, and I'm sure. How to get to the archived classes on on the website, org. It takes a little time for things to boot up, so you have to be really patient and wait. It may take you 10, 20, 30 seconds for, to get to where you want to go. Uh, but that, um, and so what, what point was I making? Yeah. So yeah, if you if if you uh, if you can get your rounds done in the morning by seven o'clock, even if you can, even if you're not in the temple, still maybe you can go ahead and and have your have your breakfast before we go to work. You can be listening to the some portion of the class. If you can't do that, then in the evening when you come in, when things are quiet now, you know, mode of ignorance. But sometimes that mode of ignorance time is the best time to be able to concentrate on the class that was given in that morning. So it's possible to do both then, to to chant effective rounds and then to listen to the class. And I suggest, strongly suggest to you, like anybody asked my, my advice on this. I didn't hear anybody ask my advice. I'm going to tell you anyhow. Now, strong suggestion to you is every day hear philosophy. And I'll make one more comment about this, and I'll give you, give you in the next 30 minutes to talk, and I'm sure I'll do uh, if the um, um, spiritual, uh, uh, Tamal Krishna Goswami was asked one time also in the temple room, what, what is the most Im- important part of the morning program? Said so if, if that person was asking, if, you, if I can't come to all the morning program, if I'm going to come to half of it, which half should I come to? Should I come in the early morning? Or should I come at seven o'clock and then stay through class and then and have you know and that sort of thing? And uh, he thought for a moment. He says, "If you cannot come to the entire morning program, which is really it's really good to do, but if you can't do that, he said, come to the second part, because in that case you will hear philosophy, and hearing that philosophy will help us in our determination to pr- pursue." These, these spiritual activities such as chanting, chanting, getting along well with other people. Hearing philosophy is a really important part of our day's activity. And if we don't do that, uh, then we're going we're gonna to be missing. And, and, and the mind will become so impetuous that it won't give you a moment's rest. And your intelligence will not be strong enough that you can overcome your mind. The only way to have strong intelligence is by either reading philosophy or hearing philosophy. Or both is even better. Namishwanda Prabhu. So Prabhuji, you shared about how it took you longer to chant earlier each round and then it became faster. So I take pretty long to chant my rounds. So what what did you do to help fasten your rounds? 
Okay. What did I do to help increase the speed of my chanting? <clears throat> and uh, even though it sounds like a mechanical thing to look at the clock, and it might seem to some that I'm saying, all right, I just want to finish my round as soon as I can and get the heck out of here, put my bees down so I can get on with the day's activity. No, that's not the idea. Because if that's in your, if that's what's in your mind, then you might as well chant slowly, even if you can't concentrate on your rounds. But the, so what I found very effective for me is to set a certain amount of time that I think that I can finish rounds if I'm chanting with attention. And right now, at this point in my life, it's five minutes. I should be able to chant around in five minutes. And if I can't, if I'm watching that clock and I see it moves over to six minutes, I realize that what I have been doing is letting my mind wander. So even though it's a mechanical thing, and even though it seems to some people when they first hear about it, like, man, Rukmanuk is just trying to get get his rounds out of the way. You know, it's kind of like the first courses that you take in college for the first two years. I'm just getting all this stuff out of the way. And that's not a very good way to look at, at the classes that you're taking in college because you can learn a lot about life in some of those classes. You know, you get psychology, you got history, you got so many things, literature that can prepare you uh, so that when you come knocking on your own door, someone will be there to answer. That's the way it's been described. Um, uh, so uh, necessary, necessary to have good philosophy, necessary to be uh, examined, to examine your own activities, your own way of dealing with your morning activities, the way you deal with uh, individuals, individual devotees. If you're having trouble getting along with a lot of devotees in a community and nobody else seems to be doing that, then you need to ask the question, maybe it's not me, or maybe it's not them, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the one that's responsible for my not being able to get along. So we can also say that about chanting. Maybe it's not just the act of chanting, but it's the way I'm approaching it. And so uh, I took my spiritual master's advice, Namashani Prabhu, uh, and I started uh, intentionally chanting as fast as I could and still saying each one of the syllables. I used to say, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. And now I'm saying, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And you would think that would slow a person down. But this was advice given to me by Keshava Bharti Maharaj. He said, no. I said, Prabhupada doesn't chant Hare Rama, Hare Rama. He said, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. He said, no, he does chant Hare Rama. So I didn't question anymore whether Prabhupada chanted Hare Rama or Hare Rama. I just took his advice and I started chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And you know what I found out? Chanting the second part in its entirety, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, I could chant faster when I pronounced the both syllables, Rama. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama. And so how is that possible? It's, why is it possible to chant two syllables faster than you chant one syllable? And what does it matter how, whether you're saving one second? But if you can save one second of time off of each mantra that you chant, then by the end of that end of that that particular round, uh, then you have saved uh, uh, what? Uh, how many? One hundred and eight seconds. Is that right? If you chant one hundred and eight mantras, isn't that correct? 
We chant 108 mantras for each round, correct? And if you save one second per mantra, then you save 108 seconds per round. And then uh, 108 seconds, that's, uh, that's a little less than two minutes, isn't it? It's, it's a minute, minute and a half. Let's say you save a minute and a half in chanting them. So this is one of those practical pieces of advice that my instructing guru, Maj, Keshava Bharati Maj, gave me about chanting, that I should, I should chant two syllables for Lord Ram's name, Lord Rama. Did that answer the question you asked? So, yeah, these are practical kinds of things that one can do in order to be able to uh, chant uh, attentively and to chant rapidly so that you can you can get your rounds done so you don't feel that you are uh, taking an inordinate amount of your day's time to chant rounds. In other words, right now, if it, if it took me two and a half hours to chant my rounds, then I would not be able to do other kinds of spiritual activities in the morning. For example, listen to class. And that would be very bad. Yes, question please, Prabhu. Hare Krishna. So you're talking about getting instructions from your instructing spiritual master, his only case of a bar, that's what's wrong. And I'm curious, how did you find your instructing spiritual master? How did you come to know that he was going to be your instructing spiritual master? How did I find that Keshava Bharati Maharaj was going to be my instructing spiritual master? Um, I found myself in his presence. And I wanted, I, I thought this, this would be a good question to ask him. How can, how, how is it that I'm chanting so slowly? How can I chant faster? How can I chant better? In other words, they're instructing spiritual masters all around us. Shiksha gurus. All we have to do is just inquire, ask, ask questions. In other words, any person in this room can be an, uh, can be an instructing spiritual master, except those that, that talk while Bhagavatam class is going. Sometimes they're not. This is something, something we learned. This is talking about giving respect to a speaker, whether the speaker's qualified or not. Still, to give respect, it's beneficial for the person who's giving the respect, right? And then it makes the speaker think, oh, I'm being respected. I, I better start acting respectably. So you were asking, where do you find an, uh, 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 an instructing spiritual master? Um, qualifications, qualifications of instructing spiritual master, one who is already fixed up in his own spiritual life. And then uh, one with whom you have a good relationship. I mean, it's really hard to take advice from somebody that you don't like. So it's good. It's good, and this this applies to the diksha guru as well. But the shiksha guru in particular, we're, you're asking about. So all around us, there are persons who can help us out with giving us advice, and it doesn't mean that that person has to be expert in every aspect of life. You know, is maybe that person doesn't have a very intricate material life. But nonetheless, that person can give you some particular instruction about your spiritual life. Is that okay? Thank you. Anything else from anyone? Yes, ma'am. Or sir, either one. Who Who's going to speak first? I think the lady should speak first. Please. And if you will speak a little bit loud so that this old man can hear. Okay. Um, thank you so much for uh, giving class. It's amazing how 
pointed it was to what I'm experiencing in my devotional life right now. Um, and just everything you said, I feel like answered all the questions I was going to ask. Um, but I'll ask at least one anyway, uh, just to see like, um, what else you think about it. So you were saying that, um, you started off by saying that emergency service has to be taken up. And, um, I think there's different ways of understanding what emergency service is. And right now I'm coming from a yatra in Tulsa where it's like, I would say six practicing devotees. And, um, there's been like a wave of inspiration in the yatra to do outreach, to do book distribution, sankirtan. And we have a weekly program where we do, where we, um, where we facilitate like a Krishna conscious event, uh, kirtan, prashadam, you know, Bhagavad Gita discussion for people that are new to bhakti. And I've, we've been inspired to, you know, enrich those programs and which, and that requires more time, um, and more energy. And I just started working. And so I kind of feel like that is an emergency service, but at the same time, like I'm starting to see the degradation of my relationships with those devotees, like little by little. And so now I'm starting to see that, okay, well, one, this is an art and but also my chanting is like severely, um, like, uh, Degenerated ever since I started working and, and dividing up my attention. And so how do I reconcile? Like, I mean, we know that everything is service, like no matter whether you're serving the Lords or sweeping the floors and, but at the same time, like what I'm getting from this class is that, you know, chanting attentive rounds is paramount. And so if my, my thinking is that if I chant attentive rounds, like early in the morning, that means like cutting out all the time I'm giving to what I'm seeing as this emergency service to spread bhakti in Tulsa. Um, Do you recall what what I uh, quoted from my spiritual master um, earlier about uh, what over endeavor is? Yeah, and that's when that like spoke to me so much, and I was just like, wow, like incredible. Okay, so if you find yourself having to that. that too many hours of your day are engaged in doing devotional activities, and it begins to have some effect on your sadhana. For example, if, if something is keeping you up late at night, and you can't get up early in the morning and 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 uh, chant your job at that time, uh, then you got to find a solution to that. And so, where do we go for a solution if we cannot, even after praying sincerely to the Supreme Lord? Please help me to understand how to overcome this situation that I'm in or how to do it more properly so that other people can be benefited. So if you can't come up with the answer yourself, what do you, who do you go to? Instructing spiritual master. And I say instructing spiritual master. Now, in our case here in Dallas, we were very fortunate that our, our many of us, our Diksha guru was also our Shiksha guru. And he was around quite a bit of the time that we could take, but he wasn't around all the time because he had disciples all over the world and he had to go and, and, and speak with them, be with them. And so, uh, there were other persons then in charge of various aspects of the temple. So the thing, thing to do is to find a person that you feel very comfortable with, somebody that you like and who likes you 
and that who is willing to spend some time talking with you about how you can arrange your schedule for the day. Our temple president, Nityanand Prabhu, was a businessman before he became uh, involved with the ISKCON. And he was, a, he, was a, he was a devout follower of Lord Shiva. But when he, uh, when he finally agreed to come and talk with our spiritual master, Tamal Krishna Goswami, in Fiji, this was in Fiji, uh, one of the first things uh, Tamal Krishna Goswami asked him to do was uh, write, out your, write out the schedule for your day's activities. One of those activities was going for a swim in the early morning. And so uh, the person who was to become his spiritual master told him that instead of going for a swim in the early morning, you should wait until after lunch, after, after your food has time to settle, and go swimming in the afternoon when your energy is going to be at a kind of a low ebb. And he said, so in other words, what I'm saying is that he worked on Nityananda Prabhu's daily schedule. This is one of the first things he did for him because he recognized you're a businessman, you got responsibilities to take care of. And so the first thing that you've got to do is get your time set up so that you can you actually spend your time doing the devotional activities that you need to do. And this is not an easy thing to do, temple, especially being a temple president, one of those demanding jobs that you'll ever find. Is that okay? Is it on? And and like, thank you so much. It really wasn't. Like I said, like everything from like top to from the beginning to the end of the class, like really was like Krishna speaking through you as my instructing um, teacher right now. So I really appreciate that. We can get good advice from all all around us, people all around us, even those that are younger than we are. Sometimes they'll see something much more clear than we can see it. Did you want to ask a question? I experienced that too, actually, recently. Thank you very much for your question. First off, I really want to thank you for throwing more light about chanting. I do it more often, and I often wonder, like, what is the best way to do it? Like, because I can see the benefit coming, and... The way you mentioned how you finish your rounds in five and a half minutes, looking at the clock to keep yourself responsible, I loved it so much. I Honestly speaking, I was skeptical about it when you just started. I'm like, how does it work? But I know from experience that, yeah, that keeps us more responsible and it keeps me more accountable, and that counts a lot. And I loved the way how you would go with the exact chant, Hare Rama, completely. And I know that makes a lot of difference. All, all of this advice is coming to me from outside myself. So anytime we have questions that we can't, we just can't figure out how, how we're going to make it happen, then we go to our Shiksha Guru. And if it happens to be our Diksha Guru also, so be it. But if it's not the Diksha Guru, if he's busy, like, like Radhanath Swami Maharaj has so many disciples all over the world, uh, Jai Pataka Swami Maharaj, even in his, you know, condition of his, the body is not as functional as it used to be. <laughs> He's got disciples all over, 30 something thousand disciples, I understand. So how does, how does the Diksha Guru, Diksha Guru can't talk to each one of those persons individually. It's be very difficult to do. So he deputizes other people to be his representative. Just as Srila Vyasadeva, deputizes whoever sits on the seat, on the Vyasasana. 
If that person is qualified then to be a representative of Srila Vyasadeva, then Srila Vyasadeva will help that person to know what to say. All of that's coming down in discipline succession. So if for some, if, if by some stroke of luck, uh, there has been something said today that was beneficial to you, then I consider that to be our good fortune. So my question, yes. uh, did I stop something? Did I interrupt? I'm sorry? Did I interrupt something? Did I? Okay. So my question is about Viveka, like, or the power to discern and because when we get spiritual, when we start um, like focusing more on God and when we start seeing Krishna everywhere in every person, sometimes the power to discern decreases a little bit because we started we start seeing the sweet things from everything. So how do we maintain this like, discretion and still do what is supposed to be done and being spiritual? Am I understanding you correctly? Let me let me phrase it, if I see if I've understood it correctly. You're saying that uh, you, we know we understand that we're supposed to think of Krishna at every moment and never forget Krishna. So how how can we accomplish that and get everything else done? Is that is that what you're asking? Yeah, because some activities require you to like discern properly and understand better. And sometimes I feel that. I can remain sweet, thinking of everyone as Krishna, but, you know, some, you have to do a few things, and to do these few things, sometimes the discrimination mind has to be more active, and I see that that goes less and less active as I keep doing sadhana by looking at everyone as Krishna. So how do I balance this? Okay, so there has to be... Uh, did you want to give a, a suggested response to that? Would you let her have the mic? Let's let's hear what somebody else says. Oh no, I was just uh, I was just resonating with the question because, like, we can go through life like thinking like, oh, like this is all great because we're having like that spiritual coding that everything is created in Krishna's energy anyway. But then we might like go too far. Maybe is that what you're saying, Prabhu? Maybe we might get too far into the things that are pulling us actually a little bit further away. And we're not using enough like discrimination between the things that we should be doing versus shouldn't be doing because, oh, well, everything is like Krishna's energy. So, <laughs> yeah, so I resonated with that question. That's why I was shaking my head. Okay, so, I mean, when, when we have particular questions about our, our spiritual life, that's when we need to find that person to go to and just talk about it with them. In other words, I, I could not give you all the answers that you need right now sitting here on the Vyasasana. But uh, there are other personalities that you... And you need to develop relationships with other people, especially the devotees who are around. You need to develop relationships so that you can go whenever you have questions like that, and just discuss them. Even if you're not looking for a particular answer, even if you just want to talk about things, sometimes the answer comes when you're just discussing that. Don't, don't you all find that to be true? That simply by talking with your friends about uh, issues that you have, sometimes the answer will come to you in that way. might not come necessarily with just one person talking with you, but sometimes in, that cor- in the course of discussion... Uh, the answer will come. 
as a, as a teacher of composition and literature and English in college, um, I sometimes had to tell my students that who, who they, they found it very difficult to get started writing about a particular topic. And so I just encourage them, do an outline first of all and get an idea of what, about what you want to cover, uh, in, in this, in this paper that you're supposed to be writing. Get an idea of what you're supposed to, and then just start writing some things down about each one of those ideas that you put down in that outline. <coughs> so in other words, writing can be a way of thinking. Also, talking with others about a particular topic can be a way of thinking. It can help you think through things. So I, I very much encourage you then, whenever there's some difficulty that you're having in your spiritual life and you're not sure how to deal with it, just get with other people and just talk about it. Even if there's not one person there who is, you know, who can give you an answer to any question, but everybody has some kind of an input and that will help you in your own thinking to decide how to solve that problem. And we have to do that. And I hope all of you who are here, all of you younger people here, will, will really pay attention to that. Get with, get with other, other devotees, especially those who are your peers. Talk over these problems. Try to come up with some kind of a solution to whatever particular problem that you have. And I think you'll, you'll find that that will be very beneficial to you to hear from other people. Thank you so much. And uh, what can you tell me about writing Ramanama on a book? So if I have time, because I have enjoyed writing Ramanama on a book in series like one, 108 times and just going about it. It's a beautiful experience just looking at all the names in just a single page. It, it just like throws a lot of good vibration from there. If that works for you, continue it. But if it doesn't work for you, leave it aside and try something else. It's a pleasure to hear from you today. Thank you so much. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. We thank you, thank you all for coming and being with us, either uh, at least for some of the time. And all of you are coming and visiting with us in Dallas. We, we very much appreciate that. I hope you're getting some good benefit from that. So we will end now and say, Srimad uh, Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. And for all of you who are listening in, we offer our respectful obeisances because you're just like desire trees. You fulfill the desires of everyone you are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned soul. So please accept our obeisances. Bancha kalpata rubis cha kripa sindubhi cha patitanam pavanebhyo vaishnavimunamo namaha ananta kukti vaishnavrinda ki jai. Jila Prabhupada ki jai. Shishi Vadakalachanjidam ki jai. Gaur Premananda. Haribo. Everybody have a successful day. This is Saturday, you know.